Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. If you would like to participate in online worship, sermons, and children's programs, then check out the Renaissance Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, let's get started. Happy Thanksgiving! My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance. Listen, if you are having dressing for breakfast, I got no judgment for you. In fact, I might join you as long as you don't have any of those snot pockets in there. You know, those those loogies, those those uh, oysters. Those have no place in dressing. You can fight me on Instagram if you want, but I'm telling you right now. Uh, keep it out. That's why we have uh, two different dressings at Thanksgiving because my dad likes that nasty stuff. Uh, and everybody else will eat the rest of it. Um, but again, the, the, come on, those those turkey and mayonnaise sandwiches, uh, you, maybe your leftovers are already gone. What was the first to go? We know that green bean casserole did not make it to the next day, but uh, what what is your favorite side dish? Uh, throw a comment down. Throw a comment on Instagram and, and let us know. Um, I don't know. I'm just curious. Uh, so happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great one. We are pushing right towards Christmas. It's looking great and sparkly around here. And uh, sparkly is probably the wrong word, but it, it is, it's looking great. And we're excited to, to have you back when we can meet in person. Um, listen, you might see a couple elements here on the table. Um, bread and, and a, a juice or a wine. or let, Go ahead and grab something that you have. Maybe it's leftover stuffing. It can be a cracker. It can be Mountain Dew. It can be whatever you have. It can be your uh, your uh, cereal, breakfast cereal this morning. Uh, but we're going to celebrate uh, uh, and remember communion here at the end. So I just want to uh, give you time to to grab those things and prepare. So we've been in Joshua. We've been in the book of Joshua, and we've uh, gone through uh, the Battle of Jericho, where they they did this ridiculous march around the city, playing the trumpets, and and believe by faith. It tells us in Hebrews eleven, by faith the walls of Jericho fell as they marched around it seven days. Uh, we um, Jericho just happened to be that first city, and they were told to dedicate all everything to the Lord. That they weren't going to take any plunder, any spoils, any anything from that first city, and uh, most every. Everybody, except for Achan, we find out in, in the next chapter, uh, did that. And but Achan, right? He take he takes some of the first fruits, and first fruits is is an idea that is has been there since Cain and Abel in Genesis. It's it's where they they take the best of the of the first, whether it's the produce of the ground or, or the flock, and they they dedicate it to the Lord. And and uh, that that's been the practice ever since. That even Abraham would would meet this mysterious Melchizedek, uh, this priest that that we uh, believe to be Jesus showing up in the Old Testament, and he would give him ten percent of the spoils. And and we practice the same thing today as we would give our, our tithes and we would give our offerings. And what we're saying is, God, we, we trust you. You've given us everything, breath to live, and you've given us a hundred percent. And we're just going to give you back uh, the first and you're going to bless all of it. And so that's what this was with Jericho. This was the first city that they would find. And, and uh, so they were to dedicate the, the first fruits um, to the Lord. And But Achan did not. And his family probably knew about it. They're hiding it in the tent that they're living in. And because of that, Achan and his family died. Not only that, but the there was uh, the battle at Ai that we looked at, and and they go against Ai and they they lose. Thirty six guys lost their lives because of Achan's sin. So we see that we're probably more connected than we realize, and I think we even we even see that uh, in the New Testament when Jesus calls us 
we call this his body where he's the head. If, if you want to grab your Bible, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See, we, we live in such a, a individualistic here in the Western world in America. We're, we're, we're so individualistic in, in our society that we, we don't see how our lives affect the other. And I just like to um, just to, to camp here for a second and say, you know, just as Aiken affected the whole camp and uh, his actions, even though, um, you know, maybe he didn't have faith. And he didn't trust that God was going to to bless the rest. Maybe he didn't think that there's going to be city after city where they could, they could take the plunder. Maybe he didn't believe that God was going to do what he said he would do. So he, or maybe he was just greedy. But either way, he takes this and he takes it for himself, and it affects everybody. So let's look at that. First Corinthians twelve. Uh, verse 12, for just as one body is one and has many members and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. It, and then jumping down to verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, I think you have gifts and you have strengths and you have talents and you, you have all this value and worth that is not just for you. It's for we're, we're more connected than, than we would uh, realize or even admit many times. And I have where I, be, I have weaknesses and where I fall short, you can come along and you can bring your strengths and you can bring everything that you have to offer and you can help me in my weakness. And we, that's just like uh, my hand helps my mouth by putting food in it. Like we just celebrated uh, Thanksgiving, right? So just as we are all members of one body, we all, we, we need each other. And I don't think we can on, on that as much as we should. And, and here Aiken not realizing maybe that his, his sin, in fact, is going to affect everybody, is going to affect the whole camp. Um, but let's jump into to, uh, chapter 8. Here we are at AI, round 2, right? They're going at AI again, and, and the first time they assume, right, they just rush in. They don't inquire of the Lord. They don't, they don't take the time to say, okay, God, how are we going to battle here? Are we going to march around it, right? And they don't even go to that. They don't even say, I think probably because it was, it was such a, uh, a ridiculous battle plan that they're like, okay, he's not, he's not going to expect us to do that again. That was just, that was just for Jericho. And that was just by, you know, by faith, the walls came tumbling down. Or maybe it's because AI wasn't the wall city, but e either way, um, they go to AI and because it's such a small and maybe they're thinking insignificant town, they, they don't inquire of the Lord. And, and how many times do we think, well, maybe it's just a small thing. Do I need to even come to God with that? And I think there's a lot of, of uh, opin differing opinions on, on what do we come with God with? What is too small? Is, is God really care about the minutiae of our life? Does he care about the little details? Does he care about where I go to lunch? Does he care about what appliance I buy? Does he, does he really care about those, those small things? And, and do, what do we need to inquire of the Lord about? What do we need to bring to God? And I think for us, it's not, it's not so much of, of what things are, are too small, but it's, it's more about uh, just on the daily that we are having a relationship with God, that we are inviting him to speak to our situation. Because maybe where you go to lunch is not that big a deal. But maybe instead of Taco Bell, you're going to go to 
okay, maybe that is the Lord speaking. Don't go to Taco Bell, but you're going to go to a, a better restaurant, right? Or you're going to go to another, another restaurant. And at that restaurant is where you're going to have a chance, an opportunity to leave an extravagant tip for a waiter because God is laying it on your heart. And that changes that waiter's month. They're able to pay rent. They're able to, to pay their, their, their light bill. They're able to, to do whatever. And, and because you listen to the voice of God, um, speaking to you on, on, on the daily, in your daily walk, in your daily, uh, relationship with him, you're able to see even him working through the small things. And so where we would say, what is too small to bring to God? I, I think he really is uh, in the details and he really is into uh, the small areas of our lives that we would maybe consider in, in, insignificant. But when we invite the Lord into our lives and we invite him even into to speak into those small details, we can see that he can turn a, a small thing around and he can have a big impact. So I'm not saying, you know, ask God every time you go to lunch, but I am saying every day we should invite God in into the conversation and allow him to direct our steps and maybe even sometimes correct them if we're making a wrong decision or going a wrong direction, that if we're inviting him into every day in our life, that he will be able to then direct and correct our steps. Um, so I, I, I think that he wants to, to speak and he is speaking. But let's jump in to chapter eight in Joshua. And the Lord said, to Joshua, do not fear and do not be dismayed. Doesn't that sound familiar? That was Joshua 1 where he said, be strong and courageous. He said, do not fear and be dismayed because I will be with you wherever you go. But here, here they are. They've just suffered defeat. They've lost lives and they've, they've, they've seen uh, even one of their own um, lose, the whole family lose their lives because of their, their sin. And so maybe Joshua is a little afraid. Maybe he is a little uh, dismayed. And, and so here God is, is um, coming to him again and encouraging him, do not fear, do not be dismayed, right? His instruction in Joshua 1 is, because I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Uh, take all the fighting men with you and arise and go to Ai. See, I have given. Remember that statement when he was going to go to Jericho and the Lord says, see, I have given. It's that Hebrew uh, prophetic perfect tense where See, I have given me and it's already done. Now, AI is still standing there. They haven't raised one sword. They haven't gone to battle yet. And, and, and yet here's God saying, see, I have given AI. So arise, go up to AI. See, I have given it into your hand, the king of AI and his people and his city and the land. And you shall do to AI and its king, just as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock, you shall take his plunder for yourselves. Lay in ambush against the city and behind it. See, if, if Achan would have been able to, to trust the Lord, have faith, be patient, maybe not be greedy, um, he would have seen that, that God indeed was going to allow them to, to take the plunder, to take the spoils. And see, this time there, there is no, it's not what you would call a supernatural victory, right? There, there isn't anything that, that, that makes this um, supernatural other than them listening to the voice of God. But he does give them this pretty shrewd battle plan. And if you're anything like me, when you lack wisdom and God gives it to you, that's pretty supernatural uh, because wisdom doesn't come naturally, right? <laughs> wisdom doesn't come easy, but maybe you're smarter than I am. So he gives us wisdom. And uh, it says in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. 
So this is just another encouragement that God gives wisdom. Sometimes it is a shrewd battle plan. Sometimes it is uh, wisdom for whatever uh, small or big area in our life. And and he wanted to give them a shrewd uh, battle plan. He wanted to give them wisdom here at AI. So let's remember uh, that this is written to, uh, in Hebrew, and it's written to the Jewish le- reader. And so they're going to understand some of this language. So when he says, lay an ambush, of 30,000 men, right? 30,000 men are supposed to sneak behind the city and lay an ambush for AI. How do you hide 30,000 men, right? So uh, when, we, when we study that, when we look at that, we see that 1,000 uh, was probably a military term uh, for, for the Hebrews. Uh, so when they say uh, some of these numbers that we find in the Old Testament, when it's like, wow, that's it's kind of an outlandish number. That's kind of doesn't make sense. Or uh, how did they they hide 30,000 people? Let's understand that 1,000 was most likely a military unit. And so it could have been 300, could have been 3,000. We don't know the exact number, but it, it was a, an ambush. So we know that they, they told him to lay an ambush behind the city. And it also, you know, let, let's... Remember in Jericho when they said everyone, everything, living thing, animal, man, woman, child was, was killed. Uh, he's saying in AI that every man, woman, and child is, is going to be killed, that they're able to keep the livestock. And so we, we again, we ask, did everyone, did everyone really die? And maybe, but we will see later in chapter eight that the sojourner, as well as the native born is the language it uses, are there to, re- to renew the covenant. So here we have people joining Israel, Canaanites joining Israel. They're sojourners. So they have either seen um, God move on Israel's behalf. They've seen the walls come down. They've, they've seen um, Israel coming in, in the, the, the great number that they are, the nation that they are. And they've either put their faith and trust in God or, or decided, hey, I'm going to, to join this camp. And so we, we see that there, there's the sojourner and there's the native born that is going to, to re- renew this, this covenant with God on the mountain later on in chapter 8. And so not all died. Some joined, right? And then he would later give instruction not to marry, right? Not to intermarry with the Canaanites. And so if he, he's telling him not to intermarry, well, you can't marry a dead woman. So there's definitely some that did not die because he's telling them, don't marry, and the sojourner has joined Israel's camp. So apparently not all were killed, but God would, would also warn them, uh, right, not to take wives. But there, is, there was Rahab. We know Rahab joined the, the camp, but it doesn't, the, the, the word there is sojourner. So it doesn't even uh, limit it to just Rahab's household. Um, so people had voluntarily joined the camp, and the victory brought about spoils and plunder, right? If only Achan would have been patient, if only Achan would have trusted, if only Achan would have had faith. So after Ai, they traveled to Shechem, and this is where they renewed the covenant that, that we've been talking about. So uh, they, they go against Ai, uh, God tells them to set the ambush, and then they, they come against Ai just like before, except this time they bring more men, and Ai comes out to battle, and then they begin to, to retreat, and Ai thinks, Oh, we got them just like before. And so they pursue. And then the ambush comes and takes the city, burns the city. They turn around. They see the city on fire. And now they're caught in between the two divisions of the army. And they are destroyed. And God gives them that, that shrewd battle plan. And then after that, they are on, their, on the road to, to Shechem. Now, Shechem 
is across the Jordan. And if, if we're going to look at, at Deuteronomy 27, where uh, Moses is going to tell him, on the day that you cross over the Jordan, on the day they cross over the Jordan, like they, they take Jericho and then they take Ai. Maybe that's because Jericho and Ai stood between them and, and Shechem. But Shechem is, is to the north and to the west of, of Jericho. And so they travel up to Shechem. And if you'll remember, this is a, an ancestral uh, significance to the Hebrews. This is where God speaks to Abraham and tells him that his descendants are going to inherit this land. This is where uh, Jacob would tell Joseph to go and check on his brothers who are uh, tending sheep in Shechem. So this, and at, at Shechem is where there's um, the base of two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And so this is where Moses tells him in Deuteronomy 27 and gives Joshua and the elders this instruction. Deuteronomy 27, now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, keep the whole commandment that I command you today. And on the day you cross over the Jordan to the land of the Lord your God is giving you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster. So we're not sure why they waited till they're two cities deep, right? But maybe again, like I said, because it was between them and Shechem, but they, they build the altar and they're told to build this altar of, of uncut stones and to write the law on them. So they're writing the, the what we know is the, the, the law and the 10 commandments on, on these stones and half the tribes, right? Thousands of people are on one mountain, Mount Ebal, and half the tribes align themselves on the other mountain on Mount Gerizim. And then the priests, the Levites, would, would then pronounce, and it says in a loud voice, blessings and cursings. They're going to read the law, and then they're going to say, if you follow this, there's going to be blessings. And they would give it to them. And, and I, we don't have time here, but I want you to go to Deuteronomy 27 and read all the blessings that were available to them. If they, if they said, you're my God, and we're your people, and, and uh, we're, we're going to do everything you commanded us to, and here's the blessings God is saying. And then they would read all the curses and say, if you fail to do, right? And, and we see with Jericho, with the Canaanites, with Ai, God is using Israelites to, to cleanse the land. He's using the Israelites to bring judgment on this wicked people who would sacrifice their babies to the god Molech and, and, and have all kinds of sexual immorality. And, and they were just wicked people. And so God is using the Israelites to, to bring judgment. And God... He would tell them, if, if you fail to do what I've commanded you, you're going to face judgment too. And we know, because we know how the story goes, that he would bring judgment on Israel. And he would remove them from the land. He would use Assyria. And he'd use Babylon, Babylonia. And uh, he would bring judgment on the people of Israel. And he would do just the same as the Israelites would disobey God and they would be uh, wicked people just like the Canaanites and they would take the wives and they would sacrifice their, their children to the Molech and they would have all kinds of sexual immorality. They would find that the wrath of God was, was on them as well and the judgment would come to them and they would be removed from the land. So this Mount Gerizim, if you remember, is also the mountain where the Samaritans would worship. You might remember the, the story of the, the woman at the well in John 4. Jesus said to her, right, this woman is, is, comes to the well, and Jesus has sent his disciples into the town, and she goes to, to draw water and, and engages in this conversation with Jesus, and it's stuff that she's not, not sure, not, not understanding. 
So she says, uh, oh, the Messiah will tell me. And Jesus says to her, go call your husband and, and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the one woman said to him, sir, I perceive you a prophet. And our, father, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. This is the mountain, Mount Gerizim, that she's talking about. But you say that it's in Jerusalem where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain, Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is speaking, is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus is telling her that there's this day coming, and that day for you and I is today. That day was is, is since the resurrection of Jesus has come where we worship under the new covenant. We worship in spirit and in truth. And we have just like they were having that, that new covenant ceremony or that covenant ceremony where they were renewing the covenant, right? Just like Moses had told them. And they're going there and they're saying, we're going to follow your commandments. And then we find out that not only were the Israelites not able to follow the commandments, but we know ourselves that we have trouble following the commandments of God. And that's the, a humanity problem. And God knew that. And that's why he sends Jesus. That's why he sends his son. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So we put our faith and we put our trust and we put our hope in Jesus. And here's this new covenant, right? This is what Jesus is, is saying in Matthew 26 to his disciples. You might remember at the, at the Last Supper. And this would, this would be a time, if you haven't yet, to grab the communion elements, the bread and the, and the cup. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it. And he says, take and eat. This is my body that has been broken for you. Right? And then he takes the cup, and after he'd given thanks, he takes the cup and he gives it to him. And he says, drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for their forgiveness of sins. And I tell you that I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Again, these were, these were all good Jewish boys, right? They understood this language. See, Jesus often compares this relationship that we have with him to, to a marriage. And they would understand in their Jewish culture what a betrothal looked like. And they, he would take, the, the groom would take the cup and he would bring it to the bride's house. And her receiving it, taking the cup and drinking it meant that she was agreeing to be married to this guy. And then the guy would go away and he would say, I'm not gonna drink from this cup again until I've come back for you, until I've, I go away and I've prepared a place for you in my father's house, right? What language does that sound like? Jesus would tell his disciples, I go and I prepare a place. My father's house, it has many mansions, right? And, and I go to prepare a place that you can be with me. Right? So it's all this, this symbolism that we don't fully get, but they did. They understood. 
And so when Jesus is using that language, I'm not going to drink from this cup again, they understood what that would mean. That, that word picture would just blow up in their, in their minds. So we, we remember, as Jesus has told us to, to, to take the, the, the body, the bread that represents his body that was broken for you and me, that he would be broken on the cross, that he would shed his blood. And we take his, the, the, as remembrance the symbol of his, his body that was broken and we eat. And we remember the sacrifice that he paid for us. And then we remember that his blood that was shed, that was poured out, that Jesus did this so that we would be able to have a relationship with him. That he would go and prepare a place for us, that hope of eternity. And we remember that his blood, it's a celebration, it's a remembrance, it's a thanksgiving. And we remember that his blood was shed for us, and we drink. For, for so many of us, this might be a, a, a rough season. Maybe you just celebrated Thanksgiving, and it wasn't much of a celebration because your family couldn't be there, because your loved ones weren't able to celebrate with you, because you had to do a Zoom call, or you weren't even able to do that. This is a, this is a time where we remember that, that Jesus uh, comes and he meets us right where we are. And we need, just like I said, we are members of one body, and so many times we really do need each other. And so even as we're separate, we, we just encourage you to reach out. If there is something that you need prayer for, if you're watching us live, there's a there's a button that you can hit that, that says that request prayer. Uh, otherwise, you can email us at prayer at rendicator.org. And we want to pray with you. We often do. And and the, the, the staff here and the pastoral staff will, will pray over those, those requests. If this is the first time that you're accepting Jesus, you're watching online and you didn't know even know how you, you stumbled across it or maybe you're sitting there with families making you watch this and, and you're realizing that, that for the first time that Jesus' blood was shed and his body was broken for you, we want to celebrate with you. If you're receiving Christ for the first time, right? There's a, watching it live, there's a button you can hit saying that you've received Christ. Again, if, if you want to email us at prayerindicator.org, we want to celebrate with you. We want to connect with you and we would love to do that. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can celebrate this new covenant where we don't have to go to a temple, we don't have to go to a mountain to worship you, but we worship you and we have a relationship with you where you speak to us and you can, even in the mundane, even in the minutiae, even in the, the simple things in our lives, you, you can direct our steps and you can correct our steps and you can guide us. And even when we find ourselves in, in tough seasons or tough situations, that you say that you will be there with us, walking us through. So God, we love you and we honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Listen, if you've partnered with us, if you are giving your, your first fruits, if you're, you're tithing, we want to just let you know that you can do that. And you can have that opportunity to give at rendicator.org. Also, you can text to give. Again, you've put your, your faith and your trust that, that God is, is going to be able to, to bless your giving. And we just want to pray a blessing over you and your giving and over the work that it's going to accomplish here at Ren and in, in the area of Decatur. Uh, bless you. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. If you would like to get connected with what's going on here at Renaissance, then find us on social media or visit us online at rendicator.org. Remember to check out the Renaissance Church at Home page for online worship, sermons, and children's programs that are being offered during the COVID-19 outbreak.